Hi, welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I am a film critic for the website Quipster.net. I've been doing film reviews for 20 years now. You can read all of my written work there. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R dot net. Today I'm going to be reviewing a film that was actually requested by somebody who got in touch with me, says he's an avid listener, and wanted me to review Hell or High Water. Truth be told, I was going to review that this weekend anyway. So, Garrett, if you're out there, I don't want you to feel like you're obligated to donate for me doing a review for you. If you have another film that you want me to review, older film or even a newer film, definitely get in touch and I'll try to review that if you want to donate. But... Uh, for hell or high water, you don't have to. Don't worry about it. Even though <laughs> I could use the money, I can tell you that. So hell or high water, it's a drama, thriller. Some people might even classify it as a Western. It's not a strict Western. In fact, most Western aficionados would tell you this doesn't qualify, but it definitely has those Western tropes within it, especially toward the climax of the film. Uh, it's an R-rated film. It does have some strong violence. It has language throughout and brief sexuality. It runs an hour and 42 minutes. Jeff Bridges, Chris Pine, and Ben Foster are the main stars. Gil Birmingham in a supporting role. The director is David McKenzie, and Taylor Sheridan provides a screenplay. This is a throwback film to the kinds of character-driven thrillers that Hollywood used to be able to produce with some assuredness, mostly released in the 1970s. You know, a lot of movies back then had bank heists and shootouts and car chases and wily Texas sheriffs. They, you know, all these things were the rage back then. Not so much these days, but given its down-home flavor, you'd be pretty surprised to learn that this is a movie that's not directed by someone from the South or the Southwest or from Texas or even someone from the United States. David McKenzie, the director, is Scottish, and this is only his second feature made in the United States. The first one was a little-known Ashton Kutcher's sex comedy called Spread that came out in 2009. McKenzie's filming based on the second feature script from Taylor Sheridan. Sheridan came to critical acclaim for his acting work, of all things, on the TV show Sons of Anarchy, and then last year made a splash writing 2015's riveting border drug cartel thriller Sicario. And that was one of my top 10 favorite films of 2015. Hell or High Water might even rank higher on this year's list. Chris Pine and Ben Foster in this film are playing brothers Toby and Tanner Howard, respectively. We find them at the beginning of the film on a bank robbing spree throughout parts of West Texas. Toby's the smart one who has generally been above the fray, but now he's going in headfirst into a life of crime with his 'er ne'er-do-well brother Tanner to secure the funds necessary to keep the banks from seizing the property willed to the debt-plagued Toby. The mother's property was reverse mortgaged to pay for her medical care, and he aims to give that land, you know, the only thing that really he, they have left in the family to his two mostly estranged boys. The feds are not really interested in chasing down these criminals. They aren't really stealing much more than a few thousand dollars here and there, so... In comes a soon-to-retire Texas Ranger named Marcus Hamilton, played by Jeff Bridges, along with his deputy Alberto, played by Birmingham. They're out to catch these guys before they strike again. Therein lies the crux of the movie. Although this story is relatively straightforward as this tale of criminals and the cops that chase them, there are definitely richer themes underneath the main narrative. It suggests more to the story than you'd ever expect at the first glance just by watching the trailers or just hearing that plot synopsis. For instance, wherever the characters go, they're greeted by signs and billboards declaring, hey, you want to get out of debt? Do you need to get out of bankruptcy? These banks are offering to help many of the impoverished small town residents of their money issues. 
you know, they're generally using this opportunity to later foreclose on their property and deprive these residents of the only thing their families really have had worth anything. The poverty they all feel tightening its noose around their necks is, in this film, astutely compared to a disease that spreads from generation to generation, causing heartache and despair for the families afflicted, leading to dysfunction and abuse in many of these households who have no reason for optimism for a long time in their families. So it's a bleak existence. And like a chronic disease, unfortunately, you have to live addled with it. You know, this film, although it does, I guess, technically have so-called bad guys. I mean, there are bank robbers in the movie. They're not exactly evil in their intent. But this underlying commentary of the movie suggests that there is an unseen villain within Hell or High Water that's the actual thief of these small communities. Ironically, they're the predatory institutions that portray themselves as serving the needs of the populace around them for their good, really. But really, they're kind of taking advantage of the poverty around them. And they do so on the right side of the law, unlike these bank robbers. And the interesting thing is, if these banks themselves end up going bankrupt, they're bailed out. And with taxpayer dollars, no less. Only only when they are saved by these taxpayers, they target those very same people once they get their own debt relief. So one of the many, many ironies of this film, and I guess one more irony, just as banks take from people who need money to pay for their own existence, so too does Toby, who needs money, seek to reverse the equation by making these banks pay for their own bailout against them by stealing from them outright. Although this tales on the bleak side... Taylor Sheridan, the screenwriter, infuses his characters with a very good sense of wry, homespun humor. It tempers that grit of the crime drama at hand. You know, Sheridan is so keenly aware of the cliches that it regularly sidesteps those cliches with coy precision. And that becomes one of the joys as an observer to see all of the ways that this film could have settled into contrivance and formula only to subvert all of those things. For instance, there's this one scene that involves... A car. I won't tell you the context of it, but there's a car that sounds like at this very critical moment, it's not going to turn. And you can hear the engine running is just not going to turn on, but yet it, it just does. And it's just the perfect timing. You know, it's not too long. It's not too short. And it produces a very funny moment that perfectly caps off a very tense scene where there's a lot of palpable suspense. If you've read my reviews for over the last few years, you know I've been a little bit critical of Jeff Bridges. He tends to use a lot of funny, very unnatural voices in a lot of his films of late. That, I feel, has grown tiresome. I just wish Jeff Bridges would know how to act like a normal person again instead of these caricatures that he's often doing. But in this film, he's not really doing himself again. But I think that the persona that he uses for this movie does suit his aging sheriff character well. Bridges is imbuing Hamilton with a kind of passive racism. In a, in a way, Hamilton is really using these insensitive comments, almost like this way of bonding with those around him. He expects those that he is knocking, playfully jabbing with, with these insensitive comments, to jab him back with more of the same. He's really kind of cajoling his partner to dish some of it back and actually seems pleased when he does. And Bridges imbues Hamilton with a world-weary demeanor that's part and parcel of many of those who've spent the last several decades patrolling fly-spec towns like the ones that he patrols. These towns that offer its residents nothing but more of the same, only worse as the years roll by. And so there's really not much surprise, I guess, on his face to see what happens in these towns. These are towns where there aren't many choices for those people who live in sparsely populated parts. 
There's an interesting moment. A lot of people will think that this is just put in here for humor. That, but Hamilton and, and Alberto go to this T-Bone Steakhouse at, where they're visiting for the first time. The only choice by this very salty waitress for their entire meal is which side that they don't want as part of their meal. They can't choose anything beyond that. They can't even choose how they want their steaks cooked. They can't really choose what they want to drink with it. They have to have iced tea. There is the semblance of choice, but really there are no choices. Even the title itself, Hell or High Water, is meant to evoke determination, I guess, if you're taking it in its metaphorical usage. But if you take it at its most fundamental meaning, hell or high water, that's really indicative that every choice offered is really no choice at all. You can have hell, you can have high water, neither of which is going to be very helpful to you. And that further illustrates the lack of life choices that are given to the people of these towns in West Texas. Chris Pine and Ben Foster, not to be outdone, they're also terrific as two of the co-leads. Pine is delivering a determined character who aims to do right by doing a little bit of wrong here. Foster, on the other hand, continues his string of well-nuanced portrayals of men who seem to be living on the edge between calm and chaos. He always looks like he's aching for any excuse to finally snap and to unleash all of the hate for the world that he's been bottling up inside. Not to be lost in the shuffle, I think a lot of the kudos are going to go to the three main actors, but there's also a very great non-flashy supporting role for Gil Birmingham as the half-native, half-Mexican deputy and family man who banters often with his superior, somewhat uncomfortably, but most importantly, he is there to balance out the sheriff's tenaciousness by always reminding him of the human side of every equation, and that's very important, especially as we get toward the later parts of the film. With scenic cinematography from Mackenzie's go-to guy, he captures the expansive beauty, the untamed dangerousness, and really the quiet desolation of West Texas. Although, truth be told, this actually is almost entirely filmed in New Mexico. You know, the, the visions, the sounds merge so well in this film. You have Nick Cave and Warren Ellis on the soundtrack on one hand, and there's a lot of judicious use of actual quiet moments on the other. All of these things seek to perfectly encapsulate this pervasive atmosphere of hopelessness and isolation in these parts that are seemingly ignored by the rest of the country as some sort of lost cause. They're not even thought of, really, by most people who live outside of West Texas. So while many of the characters in Hell or High Water struggle to find two nickels to be able to scrape together, this film is awash with riches. It's finely detailed to authenticity, both in its many sets and locales and in its intricately nuanced characterizations as well. We, as the viewers, become so invested in the people within this story, as well as in whether they are going to be successful in their outcome, that the last half hour, particularly, proves to be as suspenseful a thriller as you'll likely see in 2016. There is just so much going on, both on and underneath the surface of Hell or High Water, that I think that those who enjoy this multi-textured film will likely find even more to admire with each repeat viewing over the years to come. I'm giving Hell or High Water four stars out of four. Four stars on my scale means that I think this is an excellent movie. I, I definitely think that anybody who has even an inkling that they might enjoy this film should take the chance and go see this out in the theaters now. It's a movie that you really want to see in the theaters. It's beautifully shot. It's great with an audience there because there are funny moments that you can actually feel the tension in the audience when things get kind of harrowing as well. So see this in the theater with a crowd of like-minded people who are going to be really invested in rich characterizations and a compelling story. Four stars out of four for Hell or High Water, one of the year's best films, probably along with Kubo, my favorite film so far in 2016. 
So seek both of those out. They're in theaters right now. And as we get into the Oscar season, you know, if this gets knocked out of my top 10 by 10 other films, this will be one of the best years in recorded history for films. Hell or High Water is terrific. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. If you did, I encourage you to click the subscribe button. I deliver about three to five new reviews every week. If you want to support the show, two ways to do that. You can go to iTunes and leave a review, or you can go to patreon.com slash quipster and help fund the show. If you do that, like I offered to Garrett, I will review a movie of your choice. All I ask out of listeners, if you regularly partake of this show, is to spend $1 a month for the show. If you do that, I'll be able to see more movies because right now I'm funding this entire production out of my own pocket. Every movie that I see, whether it's 10 bucks a pop, the hosting for the podcast, and all of the time it takes to write and record these reviews and edit them, it's a lot on my agenda. So if you like the show and you want to throw something my way, it would help me immensely. So, and I will thank you on the show. And if you have a movie that you want me to review, that's the least I can do to return the favor. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoy Hell or High Water if you go see it in the theater. I would like to get your feedback. You can go to my website, quipster.net, find my contact information as well as links to my Twitter feed and Facebook page. You can use any of those to contact me. That's Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R dot net. 